You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 uh, off-season edition. Of course, there's never really an off-season, so we're welcomed in, in by welcome, welcoming back in Josh McQuistian, uh, who is with us. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm great, guys. You know, just uh, getting ready for camp season now, now that the junior day stuff has passed. Yeah, we've got, uh, what are we, less than just over a week away from OU's Pro Day as well, March 8th, right? So that's coming up. Uh, where Joe Mixon apparently just sends stuff to TMZ now so to show weird. his workouts. Looked really good, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Joe Mixon. I mean, Jesus. we yeah. know what it's going to look like. He's he's an unbelievable talent. Joe Duvall is here as well. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, good to be we here. We let him back again this time. Yeah. I feel like I need to to bring up something with Joe. I'm picking a bone with everyone today okay. to start the show. Joe, are you afraid to uh, spend time with me one-on-one? Am I afraid to spend yes. time with you one-on-one? I noticed that you pulled up out there early, and you waited till Eddie showed up to come in the house. Oh, no. I was actually uh, checking my, my GroupMe app. My friends were spitting some fire today, so I was just Over what? Th- what is that? GroupMe? Yeah. It's, uh, it's like a group texting app. Just is it all politics with you? Uh, we have a, a political thread that we keep <laughs> stuff in, you know, kind of compartmentalize things, make sure it doesn't bleed over. All right. That's Joe Duvall. Uh, no Trump talk today. Sorry. Uh, no Bernie Sanders talk. Eddie Radosevich, I Hello. have the biggest bone to pick with Eddie you. Eddie <laughs> What's that? Uh, Eddie, it was found out. I want to know your opinion on this. Okay. That there's possibly another Earth this week. Oh, yeah, I saw Did that. Did you see that? What a load of shit that is. <laughs> a, space isn't real. That is not a load of shit. It's not, I mean, they space. They found another possible Earth. Who another did? solar system. Who did? Scientists. That's exactly what I've been getting at this whole time. Do you realize how bad Kyrie Irving got ripped for saying that the Earth was flat last week? I applauded his effort to stand up for for people that don't believe uh, don't believe things. One one percent of people they came out and said one percent of people believe the world is flat. I don't know how you get one percent of people to believe anything. I don't know if I I don't believe the world is flat. I just don't know for a fact that it isn't. Like everybody says that it is, but. I need definitive proof that it isn't. You know that there is weather, right? Uh, There's yeah. atmosphere, right? You don't believe that anything just because above somebody that, just because somebody like, has told gonna you a, you're gonna hit a wall if you go up there. I don't know. High. You might. I, you might. I don't think we would ever reach it though. But I'm just saying that I don't <laughs> we think have. that. We have. It's been documented. Uh, moon landing, not so much. I. I need to see definitive proof they that we actually got there. Another solar system, Eddie. 
Every Joe Sun, uh, Earth-like planet. It only takes 20 days for it to go around the, the sun out there, though. Yeah, I don't know. And half of it will live in darkness forever. So you could. it's possible that we could move there 39 light years away. I don't know how long that takes to get there. See, that's the whole. That's that's my biggest thing is like thirty nine. What what is it? Thirty nine light years. Yes. Like one light year is too many light years. That's a fact. True. Yeah. I mean, it, it's impossible to essentially right now to get to anywhere past Mars with that kind of technology. But what? But I guess the point is that do you, do you not believe that they see the things though? I mean, yeah, they might be far away. But do you not believe that they see them? I just don't know. I don't know if I believe any of it. I mean, I I definitely believe it, but I don't know. I just need bigger proof that. That there is something every, out there. Every Joe Schmo can spend 60 bucks and go fly thousands of feet up in the air if they want to. What do you think the smart people are doing at NASA? They, they can Wasting f- money is the f- most That's important the Elon thing. Musk thing that you're talking about there? Is that I don't know. Yeah, I'm um, talking about just flying in an airplane. You can fly in an airplane. Any Joe Schmo can go get in an airplane and fly in the air. What do you think people that are smart and spend their entire lives dedicated to this stuff can do? I don't know. It's a waste of a life, pretty much. Eddie, is it a reasonable doubt with you? Like, is, I mean, what is the point of proof that you need to see? Like, what, what would make the Earth real? Uh, or, I mean, what would make it round? Round. I I don't know if it would necessarily be something definitive, but I think it's more about just the uh, being able to question it that I like more than anything else. <laughs> I, I think you like the reaction you get. I think I think you and Kyrie are in the same boat. I, I just think it's funny that uh, people get so bent out of shape about it. Well, I mean, you need to be concerned about this because Eddie has now launched his mayoral campaign. Yeah. It's, it's and working. that will be the first question that you are asked is, do you believe that the earth is flat? Well, if it gets me elected, the first rule of politics is if it gets you elected, you believe it. So I'll just have to kind of feel out the uh, the voters and see what they think. What about Stevie Wonder? What if that question is raised? Is he? Oh, well, he, can he can definitely see. see. He might not be. He mean. He might not have like twenty twenty vision, obviously, but he can definitely see. There's. There's. There are things. He's not blind completely. He's not completely black. Has anybody ever tried the like Brady bunch bunch trick where you like throw a suitcase when he's not looking and that loud noise see if his like head snaps? I guess. The oh, noise, I'm sure that people I have. Guess the, the noise would matter. Would you have to like throw like a something he's at his like, face? Throw a like ball at his Daredevil. face. Daredevil. You know, Daredevil was blind, but he could fight people. It's true. I, I feel like Eddie would offer whatever the money left in his campaign funds, his donations, to Stevie Wonder to play his inauguration, <laughs> but only if Stevie would do it and do it with no glasses and do the do the show as a seeing rips, person. Rips off the sunglasses and plays catch with Eddie at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of... Eddie uh, just gets to throw random things at him during his performance and he gets to block him. I, that'd be fine with me. I really think, though, that... Uh, you know, speaking of uh, campaigning and campaign funds, if you're interested in uh, donating to the campaign, Venmo me, Eddie <laughs> underscore R-A-D-O. You really have set up a Venmo account. Oh, I already have. I just have a Venmo account. I don't think that my friends and I, we don't transact any type of money anymore. It's it's strictly Venmo transaction. You have been uh, in this past year. I Here's where I'm worried about your mayoral campaign. Mayoral campaign? Uh You've been blocked by Tulsa football. You've been blocked by Tim Kawakami or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. I saw. So I'm afraid that you're going to get blocked by very important people throughout this process. No, because during those during those blockings of by people that can't vote in Oklahoma City, uh, I've been followed by the current mayor, Mick Cornett. Thank mm-hmm. you, Mr. Cornett. Uh, Thank you to your mentor. Yeah, my pretty much. <laughs> I need to get with him. We need to play golf out at Hefner sometime. Talk about the city. Uh, 
you know, that's just one of the many. Don't I would not suggest starting a make Oklahoma City great again campaign. That would be disrespectful no, to Mayor Mick. Yeah, that's because it it's already great. Yeah. So you don't need to. I we need to think of a uh, what is it? A platform? Is that what they call it? I need to, uh, I need here's, to figure here's out your a platform. platform. I've got your platform. Let's build another skyscraper. We've got one. I think people would like to see a second skyscraper. The yeah. As it sits now, we just have a giant phallic symbol sitting in the middle of our. I always thought it, looked yeah. like a, it always looked like a middle finger to me because it's got like the fingernail at the top. As you're now that they got the new bank, is it the BOK Plaza that's going in next to it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like west of it, and then like Devin is like, this is so not a podcast now. <laughs> Devin is like renting out space in the BOK Plaza. Like, do they, they own need it? more space? Do they own it? Do they own no, the, no. BOK owns it. Oh, okay. Bank of Oklahoma. Or but Devin is renting Devin out is space renting out office space in BOK Plaza. It's really they weird. don't have enough room in their giant tower of darkness. Side story: the uh, chef at Vast, I uh, I knew he went to high school with me. He does like cooking things with uh, Andre Robertson. He was a really good golfer too. You his still know him? Yeah, his his name's Kevin Lee. He's a really good guy. He went to high school with me. He was a really good golfer. Well, I went to high school with the chef of VZD, so there. That's a uh, yeah. That's another good place. I actually, when was it? It was like a couple months ago. It was during the World Series. I think I watched Game Two at VZD. Yeah, they had a Cubs. They reopened party. it. It yeah. was really good. It was good food. All right. Well, uh, before we derail this thing any further, let's talk about uh, a little OU, a little OU football recruiting, and uh, Junior Day that went down. Uh, Josh, just uh, obviously a couple of commitments from uh, 2019 kids, uh, but just overall uh, kind of what you felt coming out of OU's first junior day. Uh, you know, I kind of thought that maybe the 2019 guys, you mentioned uh, R.J. Henderson and Theo Weiss, and, you know, we can talk about them a little as we go forward, but I kind of thought that would create maybe a little urgency. Maybe you'd see some 2018 guys m- maybe speed up their decisions a little bit. But you didn't see any of that. But I do think – I don't think people should take that as, oh, the junior days didn't go bad because they didn't produce a lot of commitments. You can look back at 2017, and there weren't any commitments during the junior days. I mean, guys like Sedarian Lamb did it after they came. You know, I mean, or, uh, Not Sedarian Lamb. Uh, I'm going to blank on some of the different players. Tyrese but, I mean, Robinson. There were no, after, yeah, right after. there were no commitments during the junior days. So don't, don't take that as – Oh, well, it didn't happen, so that makes it a bad thing. And I remember there These was a guys, lot of panic they, they because just, you were coming off of the, you know, the recruiting class after going to the playoff, and everybody was like, we should be getting... Where's the momentum you guys have yeah. been talking about? Yeah. You suck. Sorry, Exactly. Josh. I mean, you know, you look back to last spring, and that's who I'm trying to think of. Charleston Rambo, Trey Brown, Justin Broyles, those guys all committed afterwards. The only guy who did commit during a junior day was Tyrese Robinson, which was so out of left field. And nobody, and I can remember going back, and everybody's like, "Well, we'll see if it sticks." And Tyrese Robinson probably had less around him as far as rumors and that kind of stuff than anybody else in the class. So I, I, I think Calvin Avery is a really good situation for Oklahoma right now, and obviously a big nose tackle from Dallas. That's a huge need for OU. Uh, Brennan Eagles, I was told things went very well. The guy that I talked to that I think really was surprised with how much he liked OU was Leon O'Neill, the four-star safety from the Houston area. He's a guy that's uh, really – when OU offered him, he had a handful of offers. And now he's got Alabama. He's got Florida State. I mean, he's really one of those guys in the country that can 
really say he can go just about anywhere he wants to. So that, and when I talked to him, he just gushed about OU. He really loved it. I think they hit a good, um, hit the right notes with him, made him feel like it was a, a family situation. Knowing Leon a little bit, that's a huge deal. Not so much that, um, he needs that kind of thing. Just he's a very open book, very guy that wants to feel comfortable where he is and is comfortable with everybody. So I think that was a big deal for Oklahoma. So I, like I said, no no commitments, and I understand why people are going to kind of think that t- or take that as a bad sign. But I think Oklahoma's in really good shape after these two junior days. Let me ask you in this recruiting cycle, Josh, uh, that that we're in right now. In the last five years, has Oklahoma ever been in a better position in Houston than they are right now? I mean, the major Applewhite thing just looks like a disaster waiting to happen. I don't know if you saw that stuff about his, his you know, he was, people were trying to say he was being taken advantage of, you know, in, in his negotiations. And I mean, we all know he, he would take that job no matter what. But you got to think, as is, is, is vocal as some of their regents are, their boosters or whatever, uh, the Fertitta guy, I mean, you got to think that he doesn't have a lot of time there if he doesn't just magically do well. And then Texas is a huge question mark right now. Uh, I don't think, you know, things got better at Texas A&M, but at the same time, and they're going to produce some draft picks, I just I just think it's probably a really good time for probably not just Oklahoma, but even Oklahoma State in Houston right now. Am I oh, wrong? You're absolutely right. I mean, you look around. I mean, you go, and really the only time I can think of that was comparable was maybe like 2011 when you had guys like Brandon Williams that went to Oklahoma. I mean, that was a big-time guy out of the West Houston area. But it's just more and more. You're, it's not just like a few years ago I felt like, oh, you would pick two or three guys and they would really focus in Houston. And they did pretty well with those guys. But now you're seeing players that Oklahoma is going after 10, 12 guys and getting visits out of these guys, getting commitments. You know, we mentioned R.J. Henderson, who's from the same area as Sedarian Lamb. So you're just seeing more and more uh, um, numbers for Oklahoma, guys that really aren't just taking offers but want to go up there and want to take a trip. And for me, Houston's one of those areas that if you're willing to go up there and make that trip – you're committed. As a guy who makes that trip a lot, that's not an easy thing. I mean, the Houston area people that are listening to this, they know you've got to want to go from Houston to Norman. Dallas to Norman, not that big a deal. That's a pretty easy trip. But Houston, I mean, you're going to go through Dallas. You're going to go up I-45, which is one of the worst stretches of highway in our country. So you, you just go down the list, and it's not a great trip. But the guys who make it up there, Oklahoma has a pretty good hit rate, and I think that's because if you go up there – it's a sure sign of interest. Josh, a lot of these guys in 2018 and 2019, it looks like, and it may just be you know a logistical thing, but it looks like Oklahoma's putting a, a strong emphasis on in-state and Texas. Is Am I wrong there? Is this going to be an, a good couple of years for Oklahoma in the state of Texas after what's been kind of mediocre? I think Oklahoma is really trying hard to build on what last year was. Cause, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast for months. A huge portion of that class was in-state guys and Texas guys. And the the trickier part about this year is last year, you know, you saw Chris Robison, Robert Barnes. I mean, you know, and those guys were already committed at this point in the game. But you knew those guys were e- even, you know, prior to their commitments, it was going to be pretty tough to beat Oklahoma for Robert Barnes. His dad played there all, you know, just go down the list of things. And OU made a lot of sense for him. But 
in this one, you don't see that in Dallas. So that's why, you know, we just talked about with Houston, Oklahoma's having to kind of find new bases. You know, they've made some offers out in East Texas, something that I think Oklahoma had really gone away from over the last four or five years when you go back to the mid-2000s and Oklahoma was a constant in East Texas. So I think you're just seeing Oklahoma move some things around, but they're absolutely allowing the cachet of guys, like I mentioned, Chris Robison, Robert Barnes, uh, Charleston Rambo, Sedarian Lamb in Houston. Those guys have name recognition with other Texas area players, and the same is true when you move into Oklahoma. You know, obviously made a new offer uh, over the weekend to Jordan Kelly from Tulsa Union. Uh, Oklahoma's already offered one of its teammates at Union. There's a third that could get an offer. So, I mean, they are just doing a good job of allowing old relationships to help start new ones. Is there a new door that's been opened, I guess, by Oklahoma just with the facilities and, and everything? I You know, you, you can take them through the tour and everything on the junior day, but it seems like now that people are actually being able to see what they have built, it has kind of opened up a new door. I, I don't know. It just seems like maybe they're – People are talking about it more than I remember or maybe more than I expected them to. <laughs> He's dying. Oh my gosh. Me. Got, my got me so excited. No, I, I think you okay? you're absolutely right because, the, you know, and it's tough for people to tell when they're reading my stories or reading, you know, notes we put up on the board. But I try to note it. A lot of times right now when guys are talking about facilities, it's not at a question that I asked. It's just something – you know, what did you think about the visit? Oh, you know, it was really great. The facilities are going to be unreal. Where two years ago, what did you think of the mock-ups? Oh, well, they look pretty cool. You know, it's going to be really nice once they get it done. But now the guys can start to really visualize it. I mean, if nothing else, like we've talked about, you know, on uh, through DM and our group conversations, it's the scale. When you can see it and you walk around and you watch those video tours, the scope of it's just amazing. <laughs> Oh, it, it, I'm dying here. And so I think that's what you notice is just these guys can see it now. They, they can kind of get an idea of what it's going to look like. And these 2018 guys, um, it's, I mean, if I understand it correctly, it's pretty much going to be there ready for them. So it's kind of right up their alley. Yeah, what's what's been impressive from seeing it is I remember I was talking to Joe about, you know, what's the – What's the feel of it going to be like? Is it going to be real modern? Is it going to be... Because, you know, it's like... It's kind of like with everything on campus at OU, it's like there's enough wood to just almost make you puke. Like, it's just everything has got to be the same style. Like the... the uh, um, Why can't I remember the dorm name now? Headington? Headington. Yeah, like Headington. It's like you walk in there and it's like, yeah, this is what a building on campus looks like. You know, it's got wood everywhere and... It's all very it's like all oaky and <laughs> and mission furniture everywhere. I, I don't want to say it's like Edmond, but everything has like a purpose. Yeah, you know, it's like the shopping centers that have like it's like oh, I, you. Can it's kind of like going through Sooner Fashion Mall. Yeah. It, it really is <laughs> like, or I don't even think it's Sooner Fashion Mall anymore. But it's at the top. It's nice. I mean, but I but the thing is, from what I've seen of the drive, it's like oh my god, they're breaking away from this. They're actually making it modern looking. And and Joe had said, well, we want to have it. We want to have it modern, but we also you know don't want to make it so crazy that we're going to have to replace it all in ten years. From what I've seen, they're making it crazy to where they're going to have to replace it all in ten years. I mean, the way that they've got the lights up at the top, it looks like a a, a freaking Nike video mm -hmm. and. I mean, it's just really sleek and modern. Those lockers are amazing. Uh, I'm blown away by by what it looks like and, and what they what they've done from from the original 
uh, uh, renderings that they put out, it looks so much sleeker and cooler than I thought it was going to look. And they're changing over stuff so quickly now. I mean, you can't just you can't just put a ton of money into something and say, okay, we're good for 20, 30 years now. That's not the way college football works anymore. No. So there, there's no real true downside for trying to get it as modern and up-to-date as possible because, to be honest, you're going to be likely updating it in 10 years regardless. Here's, what, here's where you can tell how good a job OU has done. Is it basically Tom Herman had to come out at Texas and say, yeah, our stuff is old. Yeah. Like Texas thinks that they invented facilities. I mean, and they're big and they're, you know, they're they're expansive. But yeah, that stuff, I mean, it still looks the same as it's looked for the last 10 years. They still have that tired looking turf in their weight room when they thought I mean, Josh, you remember this like 10 years ago, you'd look at that Texas weight room and you're like, oh, my God, they've got a, sh- you know, a shuttle track right next to it and a place where you can run hundreds and forties and stuff. Nobody else had anything like that. Now that is old and tired and busted. And it, I mean, it's their stuff. They they did what Oklahoma did. They sat around and said, well, we're Texas. You know, we don't need to have as fancy stuff like Oregon and, you know, these other places do. We're Texas. At some point, you stop being Texas and you get left behind, and Texas has kind of been left behind. It almost seems like Texas, as an athletic department, is going through what Oklahoma, as a football program, went through like the last four or five years and just realizing, you know, oh, you realized, hey, we're really behind in recruiting. We're really behind in social media and just kind of the, the small things. And Texas, it seems like, as a whole, is, and maybe it's the turnover from DeLos Dodds as athletic director, or is everything okay, Josh? Are you alive? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, and it just, it, it seems weird though. It seems like that as a whole, they're really behind on just realizing that you can't just walk into a, uh, into a living room anymore and say, hey, we're the University of Texas. And you can for the most part, but I think you know, what set them apart from everybody else was 10 years ago, they were being able to, to show them things on campus and uh, and it blew them away. Yeah, compared to everybody yeah. else. Now it doesn't. No. I mean, what what separates Texas now? What can they point to? I mean, they're they're two coaches now removed from Mac Brown and winning a national title in two two thousand five was twelve years ago now. I mean, recruits were five six years old when that happened. So I, Texas better update their facilities. And I think Eddie's kind of right when he pointed to that something Oklahoma had to go through a transformation when T Boone Pickens is putting all that money in Stillwater. And I remember Norman people in Norman and Oklahoma fans saying, "Ah, whatever. That, that's that's OSU. You know, Oklahoma is still OU." But then recruits started coming back from Stillwater saying, "Man, have you seen some of this stuff? It's in, it's incredible. It's amazing." And then that forced OU to kind of jump on board and come along. And it sounds like Texas is now kind of dragging behind well, OU. Josh, I, wasn't Texas kind of the first team that really have a lounge style locker room? They were the first one in this region. You know, I, I can't remember. I, I think one of the schools that always gets overlooked is being pretty savvy with this stuff and. I'm walking myself right – like I got halfway through this explanation and now I've walked myself into it. It's Penn State. Penn State led the way in a lot of different things. I don't think they get a lot of recognition for that, but I don't really want to go into what Penn State's locker rooms were all about. So, (laughs) you know, for obvious reasons. I I said it. I I was like I kind of waited for Eddie to dive in, but nobody did it. So, um, But, no, Texas was one of the first ones, and what you would always hear about – was just like, you know, and I, it, to me, it fit in with the whole Mac Brown idea, you know, like, cause you would hear guys talking about, he's like my granddad, you know, and he would just hang out, you know, it was kind of cool. Like 
It was all so casual with Mac, and that's kind of what they created was this area where the kids could just hang out, and you know they had some video game stuff set up. And but you guys are right. I mean, if you looked back to what Texas had ten years ago, it wouldn't hold up in the top thirty in college football anymore. I mean, for you know, forget oh maybe the wealthiest athletic department in the country, it just wouldn't match up with anybody. So. It, it changes so fast. So I think this idea that, well, we're just going to create it and then hopefully we won't have to mess with it again. Man, get your mind right. If you want to stay at the level that OU is at now where they're in the top five with some regularity, you're going to have to change it again in five years. Like, there's no 10 years from now. That, that doesn't exist because I guarantee you Oregon or Alabama, there's something new coming at those schools every year. Look how Clemson's recruited, and they just got done putting a slide in their athletic department, all kinds of crazy stuff. Clemson looks half like Google now. I mean, it, it's crazy yeah, it really how does. much this stuff changes and how much it's become more about just, rather than functionality, just pure enjoyment of making sure the kids want to be around the program. You know, it's changed even since OU started building their facilities, since they started committing to it. There were a bunch of people that uh that like had their eyes open throughout the process like the clemson thing i think really hit ou when they realized oh crap other people are doing this like they got i i was told that that the administration laughed when ou when some of the people in the football department brought up things that clemson is doing like a bowling alley or uh you know um even a barbershop like mm-hmm. that was laughed out at like barber we're not putting a barbershop in our football facility now they have a now they have a barber they're going to have a barbershop like this has changed midstream to where they they said now nah, and maybe that happens everywhere in every kind of you know major uh you know building situation but i it's just it is funny it moves so quickly that even in 2 years of planning for this and finishing it they have changed their ideas of what is cool and what's not and what's needed what's not needed i'm glad josh mentioned google because i mean that's not too different out there in the the business world i mean if, if you have something to offer you you're going to make it appealing as it can be to people that you want to if you're trying to get the best of the best to come work for you you're gonna you're gonna try to entice them and and recruit them i mean that's recruiting that's what google's doing by making their facilities as nice as they are they're recruiting the top talent and that's exactly what college football teams are doing now and and also it, it, laughing at you know uh, slides or barbershops and stuff. I, I get that inclination, but you know people also buy cars because of cup holders. You know people buy cars and things just because of ah oh, I just kind of like the way that feels that little extra amenity that makes me feel good. So that's that's human nature. That's how people are. Recruits aren't some unique thing. That that's just how it works. You want to get the best of the best. You you, you wow them. You want to make them want want to be there and you you give them some nice things to enjoy while they're there. You have to wonder what the like where the cutoff is, like putting a slide in the athletic department. It is. It I'm is all a tail for it. wagging the dog. Yeah, thing. but it just I seems mean, like there's there has to be some kids that look at that and it's like that's cool and everything. But I mean, when's enough well, enough? No, I, I guess. mean that's that's the whole thing. I mean that it's like you have to bury your ego and say, okay, these little shits, you know, are gonna be running around here. We're gonna have to, you know, basically herd them to classes and. You know, put them through these you know degree programs that a you know an idiot can get through. But mm-hmm. we're building them stuff that's nicer than my office. Like, I'm sure most people can't get like it, it's hard to put your ego aside and say these kids don't really deserve this, 
and most of them are going to choose this place and haven't done anything yet i've you know built this program into what it is and make millions of dollars yeah and well that's a different subject but yeah i mean it's and i think that's something talking about you know the ou coaching staff figuring things out four or five years ago i think Part of that was that getting rid of that old school mentality and just giving in and saying, "Okay, we are going to be on Twitter. Yeah. We are, we are going to, you know, we are going to stroke the egos of these entitled brats." Basically, it, you it, have to come to terms with that stuff. Yeah, and I guess it also just it almost makes me or gives me more respect for a school like I don't know, like a you know, I I, I know Josh, you and I have talked about Iowa State a lot and what Matt Campbell's done. It's like being able to sell a program that doesn't have those, I guess, is it horns and whistles? Is that the bells and whistles? Bells and whistles. <laughs> I don't know. I don't say that. Uh, I'm terrible much. with that kind of stuff yeah, too, Eddie. I, I'm I'm like, uh, oh. Then you tried to say one. See, it's hard to it's no, hard to come up with. No, one. it's from a movie. Uh, the the he's a bartender and he's got Tourette's and he's always messing up these little euphemisms. He can't say them <laughs> right. Um, Oh, uh, what is it like two rats in a sock and heat or something? I can't, I can't do any of that crap. But here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing about that, and this is the wake up call for everybody. Iowa State's facilities are not that bad. No, they really they're, aren't. They, they're, they're they just actually, got done with. They just they're updated. actually better now than OU's were when before they ripped yeah. everything apart in in the south. And zone. they've been building that. They've been building that thing for yeah. what two years almost. Yeah, it's it this giant like. facility that's right next to the stadium that houses them all, and it's very it's all glass and metal and very modern looking. Uh, and remember how everybody went nuts when Kansas released what their locker rooms look like, and they're yeah. like Kansas. Now, I mean, this is not this is how far behind Oklahoma really got, and how far behind Texas is right now. You have programs that are historically in the bottom tier of conferences major conferences that realized facilities mattered before some of the blue bloods did i you can even you know go to basketball trey young brought it up in uh when he was talking about why he chose ou in that article his mom said that she didn't like the kentucky dorms the dorms weren't in quality at kentucky and she liked ou's dorms these are things that recruits and their parents look at and it matters and and also if you have alabama winning a national title every other year I think kids also kind of scale back if, well, if I'm not going to Alabama, if I'm going to have to go to some place like, you know, Kansas or Iowa State, someplace like that, I'm going to make sure I'm going to the place where I'm comfortable, where I have, where that's going to treat me well and I have these nice facilities. So uh, the money in college football isn't going to stop. These places are going to keep having money and so they're going to keep building these things. And if, and if you want to compete, I, you can't just keep saying, I'm Oklahoma or I'm Texas. You have to spend money to keep up. That's just the bottom line of this entire conversation. And I, like Josh said, Get your mind right, because that's just the way it's going to be for, for the foreseeable future. Get your mind right. Let's feel like we're rushing out onto the field. Get your mind yeah. right. You have any pump-up music over there? Probably. Be a good music day for the podcast. You know what no team has ever done before they go out to uh, play a game? That's sing a song like that commercial. The uh, what? I don't even Is it a Gatorade commercial? Ba, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. No one's ever done that. And if they have, they've gone out and is. got their ass kicked. It was a, it was a school, of the, like school of the arts. Yeah, it's like. Classy. Now we're not talking like hockey dances here. No, no, no. Those no. are badass. No, those 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 get you ready. What about Remember the Titans? Cool or not? Their scene. Uh, I generally cheered for the other team and. Yeah, that whole Remember movie was stupid. I don't like that movie. Josh. 
I'm a remember the Titans fan. I've got now. I will say <laughs> the dance is a little hokey. That, that's a little a little much for me. But for the most part, I, I won't lie. My my whole world world got a little shattered when they released the story about kind of the real Herman Boone and like you realize that's he's not that he was the, the wasn't he like incredibly racist and everything he, he, he was kind of a bastard just on yeah. a lot of levels like and and I met the guy he struck me as nice like he he was down there I think I've talked about this before at one of the army games like they was during when um remember the titans came out and they were doing all this publicity for it and of course NBC was tied into it so they were down there him and both um Oh, the the white defensive coordinator, whose name I'm going to forget. Um, They were both there, and I met both of them. They were both very nice guys. You know, you never got it. But then, like, about five years after that movie, I want to say the local, uh, the regional newspaper ran a big story about, yeah, you know, it's a great story, but here's some real facts. And he was was not quite the... um, uh, galvanizing leader that he was painted as. Sunshine reminds me of somebody, Josh, that his dad would call you a lot and ask why he's not a five-star. What? Sunshine's dad was a, a military guy. He just, military guy. He just, mm-hmm. he just showed up and said, here, take my son. Look at that. Prejudi- probably, prejudice against long hair. I'm seeing it in motion. He right would, here, he would probably call Josh like 12 times a semester. And, my son, Is it, he's a three-star. You know who would bother me is Petey. Petey's the guy that would call me all the time and tell me about his stats. He's and been grinding. He scored 12 touchdowns at GW last year. And, you know, I don't care about any of that, Petey. Like, we'd have to we'd have to have the talk about prospect versus player. You know, it would have been a long story. <laughs> Zero fun, sir. <laughs> By the way, I like that movie. That's a good, it's, a, it's a Disney movie. What do you expect? It's a good movie. Well, it's certainly better than all the right moves. I mean, oh I, I don't God, think I'm going to die. What, I don't know what that movie is. <laughs> is that a, there's no there's no football movie better than uh, Varsity Blues. I yeah, <laughs> I have to say that it's my favorite. Varsity Blues I goes in my a, just like favorite. It's an era thing. Like when you grew up, every every football movie comes out at a certain generation. Like I don't know if there was really a football movie of my generation. Uh, That's why we had to watch all the right moves. What was the one where it it's, old. it's got the cat? Was it Kathy Ireland where she's like playing for unnecessary Texas? roughness? Unnecessary just, roughness. That, yeah, there you go. That you can claim that one. Scott Bakula was like a sixty-year-old quarterback. That is just so throw it over the mountain. Wasn't Sinbad? When Sinbad, Sinbad was in the, the center or the defensive tackle. I don't know. Jason Even Bateman was, was like in the there. Maddest dude on the planet. Like Jason Bateman was in that movie. If I can't oh believe that, oh my god, that, he was. You're right. If I can't believe that. The actor can't like maybe do this in real life. I'm completely out of the movie. Yeah, I was just talking to my wife about this yesterday. For some reason, sports and movies they always mess it up. There's you can always tell when it's wrong. There's just something you see in it. So that, that except for stupid. Bull Durham. Bull Durham's great. Yeah, Bull well, Durham's and great. Major Maybe League's great. Kevin Costner's uh, Major League. Charlie screwed up because of uh, what's the catcher's actor's name? Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Yeah, yeah that's right. Is a terrible athlete. He right. screws up that whole movie for me. But Charlie Sheen threw 80 plus. They said no. they're filming that. He, he can throw. He can. He's he's good. Yeah, and that stuff you can tell. But if, if someone's out there playing a sport as an actor and they can't do it, you, you just it turns you off right away, takes you out of it. What, what would you say is the worst? Like the worst like movie athlete person? Like I'm trying to think uh, of one that really sticks out for me. I mean, I love Eastbound and Down, but Danny McBride looks awful <laughs> throwing <laughs> a baseball. Oh my gosh, no one. I've seen worse though. I mean, I'm just trying. There was who was it? Uh, I can't. There, there's really old, like the older the sports movies are, the worse they are because they, 
Like you look at the old ones. They didn't even know, like try. Yeah, like some of the Babe Ruth stuff was really bad because they made a bunch of those. Uh, John Goodman played Babe Ruth in a movie. Think yes, about that. Oh, is that, that the Babe? Yeah, that was yeah. bad. Yeah. He played that Fat really Babe bad. Ruth pretty well. He just didn't play the first Babe Ruth that well. Yeah. But I can't. I mean, actually, you know who was bad? The guy who was supposed to be the great wrestler against Loudon Swain in Vision Quest. Is that like an 80s movie? Shoot. It's an 80s wrestling movie. Shoot. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, he was fine. But like as a guy that was supposed to be just this beast, like I grew up around wrestlers. I was like, dude, you're like, <laughs> I, I could never get past it. And I like Vision Quest for what it is, but I, I could never get over. He was not a good wrestler. The, the, yeah, I mean, I thought Loudon Swain was pretty decent. No, no, no. Matthew Modine actually did a pretty good job. It was the guy opposite of him. That, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Modine yeah, was I a wrestler? Like him. Yeah, he was the main character the Joker? in Vision Quest. Interesting. The Joker. Yeah, any, any Joker in Full Metal Joker, Jacket? Joker, yeah. And, uh, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I was thinking like not Batman now. Joker. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, God, couldn't get there. Summer Catch is a really bad movie, but it's so bad that I kind of like it. Well, it's got the Jessica Biel swim. It's enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, you're not going to turn it off if you see it's on. I'm just trying to look for bad movies. Mm-hmm. Like, Air Bud doesn't count. Yeah. I never saw Draft Day. I heard that was terrible. I like Draft Day. Oh, really? Yeah. Draft Day was okay. It's a bad movie, but if you like... I, I, it's it's enjoyable for us. Stuff. Yeah, we're I love seeing that process. The GM coach yeah, dynamic mm-hmm. is pretty good. Yeah. Drafting mm-hmm. and... What they look for and working a deal and stuff like that's pretty good. I suggest you know, I suggest McFarlane USA if you haven't seen is, it. It's a wonderful movie. That's it. another good one. The the kid that plays the linebacker that they end up drafting in draft day. Is that and he's oh, been yeah. in all kinds of stuff. What's, is that the guy that's the Black Panther? Yeah. Uh, what, yeah yes. Yeah. And he's awful. Like they they show this outside. Like it's supposed <laughs> to be their scouting tape, and you're like, good lord, yeah, dude, I. That's that's bad. Actually, like the, the worst hit home, it was one thing, and it ruined the entire movie for me, and I hate the movie. Well, other than that, uh, what's that movie with uh, Amy Adams and Clint Eastwood? Oh, oh about Trouble with the Curve. Oh, that fat kid can't hit. Yeah, that fat bastard oh. that they say is a five-tool player. Good Lord. And he, yeah. How the hell? He's 240. He ain't no five-tool player. <laughs> One of the tools is running. <laughs> He's not a five-tool player. That drives me crazy. But the other thing that drives me crazy more than any other movie is, and I almost want to use the F word because it, I get so infuriated, is putting Tom Lemming in the blind side. That ruins the entire movie, and I will never oh, yeah. watch that movie again. And his whole, and, oh, Coach Saban always wants his tapes. I think that movie's oh terrible. Oh, God. It's so self-important. Oh, I it's, know. It's so, it's so him. Like, it's just so <laughs> It him. really is. It's like you um, and your stupid plastic I, I will say, on the phase. flip side, the kid who plays Michael Ower does a pretty good job in that movie. Like, he's not a bad-looking football player. That would, no, be, a, that would right. be a great article. He's a better you, football player than he is a, an actor. You should break down his yeah, tape. Yeah, that's probably fair. You should break down his tape. I, I would love that. That'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> Uh, I, I interviewed Michael Ower like in real life. I, I talked to him a couple of times way back when. I heard he didn't like that movie. He didn't like the whole thing. He didn't like being called blindside, but everybody didn't think that it portrayed him well. I, I heard he did not love that all that attention. Well, his coach was stuff. a cheater. I was just going to say, Hugh Freeze is going to have plenty of time to be in movies here the next couple <laughs> years. 
I love that. I love that it is, so much. That is and okay, so I haven't I've been staycationing this week a little bit. I haven't I, I followed that stuff. Now what are the rumors out there? I mean what like what's fact from fiction as far as like I saw this thing about like Ole Miss was trying to turn in Mississippi State and, uh, throughout this process or like what's really what's really gone down there other than the NCAA catching like they said that there were two guys they tried to pay over fifteen thousand dollars to or they did pay over fifteen thousand didn't even go to and they didn't even pick Ole Miss. like that's how awful are you at cheating I think it just kind of basically confirms all of my biggest suspicions about the entire state of Mississippi as far as recruiting goes. And, uh, you know, it just kind of reconfirms, Josh, who was the kid this year that uh, his name's completely blanking on me that ended up signing with Mississippi State? Um, oh, the linebacker? Uh, oh, uh, no, the uh, defensive uh, tackle. Um, really? Oh, oh, uh, Lee Autry. Lee Autry. It yeah. just kind of reconfirms everything that I've ever believed about what happens inside Mississippi. And, and Mississippi State sucks worse at cheating than Mississippi does. Yeah. Like Ole Miss at least goes to like the Cotton Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, they want a they want a Sugar Bowl. And now that now everything's come out, it's like, well, they definitely were cheating their asses off and couldn't do anything about it. But wonder, it's wonder, no surprise. I mean, everybody knew they were cheating the year that they got Kim Dietschy and, and yeah, Laquan 2013. Treadwell. I mean, like those kids, those five star kids do not go to that school if something's not going on. Like you, it's like I wish that there was a common sense rule for the NCAA. Like, no, that's not that's not normal. We have to check into that. Yeah, when you go three and eight, and then you sign a top top five recruiting class, NCAA should automatically send. And people. you're not a historically good program. Yeah, yeah. And Laquan Treadwell's from Illinois, not exactly in Mississippi's neck of the woods. And then, and uh, didn't wasn't it Tunsil who, when he got drafted, they, it came out where in that interview where. He was texting with the defensive coordinator. No, someone got in. Someone started oh, sending hacking out, him. Yeah, they someone him. started sending out text messages between him and a coach. But he where confirmed he was it, asking for more money. And yeah, and he said, "Yeah, that's true." I mean, guys, that wasn't even a coach. That guy was like an assistant athletic director. That's right. That's right. Yeah, like he was. He was athletic department. They've pretty much painted a picture that it is so bad down there right now that, I mean, a they're going to have to fire Hugh Freeze at some point. The NCAA has never really. In, the, in this new quote-unquote era of the NCAA, they've never really gone after a program. But the things that they have accused Old Miss of doing is like, it's like, it, they, I guess it's as they, bad as it gets. Yeah, it's as bad as it gets. They can't, they can't, it can't be any worse than lack of institutional control. They're outright paying players. Uh, you know, it, I think Tens had, of thousands of dollars they're paying kids. I yeah. Mean, and I think they had 20, is it 27 uh, illegal accusations or the NCAA is brought upon. I thought it was upon. 21, but 21. it's a ton either way, yeah. And does anybody, I mean, I could be wrong, but does anybody really believe that it's only happening at Old Miss? I mean, Mississippi State was in that whole Cam Newton thing. I wonder how much they paid him who ended up not going to Mississippi State. And so you, I think Mississippi is just really bad at it. I mean, you had the Tunsil thing. You have all these things just kind of popping into life. They're just really, they're really bad at the, the not getting caught cheating. And so they're the ones that are going to get blown out of proportion here. But I, I do wonder if this is going to turn into like that Reno 911 episode where a guy calls them over because somebody stole his meth. You know, you, 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 if you're all kind of cheating, it's going to be hard to turn each other in. If, and if you start turning one in, it's going to come into like this, you know, Mexican standoff situation. No, I, I was wondering that, if if people are going to start naming names. I'd love to see that. Basically, you know, Carrie, what you asked was basically, Leo, they're, the old Miss is saying that uh, they recorded a conversation with Leo Lewis's mom, and she was saying that Mississippi State has given them 
more money than Old Miss, and they were pretty much asking Old Miss to counter the money so he could go to Old Miss. And you know, it's it's just, it's the most shady thing of all time. Uh, coaches recording a prospective player's mom about money. I mean, it's slightly kind of awesome, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's like that is blatant cheating. It's it's blatant cheating, and you want to condemn it, but I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Sports fans in general, you see that stuff pop up on your newsfeed. You see that Twitter alert. You get a little excited. You kind of go, yeah, someone's getting in trouble by the NCAA. It just kind of makes you a little excited the for thing the sports news. The thing that's most disturbing about it is that you already know that coaches know what's going on, and, and they or they have they have inklings or they have suspicions. That other people are cheating, so it allows them to justify yeah. doing it themselves. So it's almost like it's almost worse when this stuff comes out in the public. Then everyone that has a suspicion and uses that as an excuse to cheat is just going to continue to cheat more. And it's even worse when a guy like Hugh Freeze, and this really is the kind of stuff that pisses me off when Hugh Freeze stands up in front of people, in front of reporters, <laughs> and dares and, them. Yeah, and then dares them, and then tries to play it off as like. Well, I'm just I'm on a mission from God to 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 spread his glory. It's like, you son of a bitch, you're cheating and you know it. Somebody needs to say that to him. I need to fly to Oxford. Well, I, I love that he he's he's brought that up on multiple occasions that the reason people are after him is because of the fact that he's so open in his faith. Stop. Just I, yeah. stop with that crap, right? That that's ridiculous. But and I tried to dive the the everybody stabbing each other in the back thing in the SEC, that opportunity, like, it's kind of like nuclear Armageddon right now. Like, it, 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 there's a very real chance this goes bad for the whole SEC because it's not, you know, people want to say, oh, well, you know, of course, uh, the athletic director at Ole Miss is not going to, yeah, he's not going to do anything. But if one bag man who loves Ole Miss wants to be like, hey, I know the bag man for Alabama. He lived four doors down from me. Like, Yeah, this is not fair that we're getting, exactly. we're getting hammered turn, and, and Alabama is not. Exactly. They are going to be stool pigeons in a minute. Like They Actually, will turn I'd, on each other in a heartbeat. I would root for LSU's bag men to be unleashed first. There would be some dead bodies in Link Pochatrain or whatever <laughs> they call it. There, It'd be easy to hide a body, you'd think. I, I would imagine, yeah, I would imagine that there are and there have been better places to hide a body the swamp or the desert mm. hmm. i say the swamp because water the, can wash the alligators would eat it that's true mm -hmm. yeah i think you're gonna get a lot of uh it's gonna take care of itself to a large degree yeah decompose a little faster brings up the... and it's just as hard to tell one area of swamp from another unless you're a you know a freaking coon ass out there that knows knows the land I don't even know what that means. Is that it sounds a very term? racist. Yeah, I don't know. Have you never heard Kunas? Oh no, Kunas is like a a Cajun, like a Louisiana backwoods dude. I've like heard that, that, and they yeah, I've heard that term before. That. It's nothing yeah. bad. I, know, I just only can think of the scene in Forrest Gump. I will not comment on that. That could affect my future mayoral <laughs> candidacy. <laughs> uh, smart choice. It's nice to see that you you're capable of editing yourself, Eddie. Ah. There may be hope for you. In this we, we do realize that Eddie announced his candidacy, what, about five days after announcing that um, a police officer had let him go with an open container in his car? Yeah, I'm even more qualified for political office now. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> it's 
So yeah, I mean that's that's our hope for the off season is that uh, <laughs> that everybody turns everybody in in the SEC. Well, I, I definitely think that there's some type of unwritten rule. You always heard about the unwritten rule that you know SEC kind of operates in their own way, and it will be interesting if this is kind of the first boulder to to really affect what happens. But at the same time, it's like you know I, I think a lot of people and especially. Uh, those on the board are kind of in the thought that what will the NCAA, when it comes down to it, what are they truly going to do to Old Miss? Are they going to come back off the sanctions? Well, here's the thing. It, it's, it's so bad now because c- the money is so great. You can't take Old Miss and say you're not going to be on television because then, that, then they can't put Alabama on television. They can't put Auburn on television. It screws everybody and it pisses off ESPN and Fox. You can't do that. And what are you going to do? Are you going to tell them? I mean, the most you can do is say you can't go to a bowl game. That's the most that you can punish a team. You cannot give the death penalty to anybody Mm -hmm. anymore. It affects too many other people, and there's too much money involved. I mean, you can take away wins, but that doesn't... I mean, that literally does nothing. It's imaginary. It really is. To strip somebody of wins. Well, the NCAA has no real power. I mean, the NCAA has no subpoena power. They can't really make you do anything the ncaa is just the group of colleges kind of coming together so if if their their end goal always will be to make the ncaa better and so if they if, if if they feel like a death penalty makes the ncaa better they'll do it i just i think carrie's right i don't think there is a point now where a death penalty the ncaa says oh there's a positive in for us this here. is what i think today's death penalty would be and should be you fire the coach and you fire the athletic director and you got to start over. Pretty if much Alabama's, the Baylor model. If Alabama's, if yeah, if Alabama's cheating, Nick Saban's got to be fired, and he can't coach anywhere else for five years. See, you have to put some kind of show cause on there because the way that the Division One football works now, as soon as he's as soon as he's fired somewhere, hired him. Yeah. yeah, somebody's somebody's picking him up, and somebody will give Hugh Freeze a job. I have no doubt about it. He's not that good of a coach, though. He'll talk his way into somehow, you know, there's a school, you know, his a, only, a Vanderbilt would His hire only value is acquiring players. That's the only thing yeah. he's really done at Ole Miss. And now we find out it's he's acquiring them because he's been cheating. I think, but people will forget that, Eddie. They'll, or, Carrie, they'll convince themselves that it's because, oh, like, he's a great recruiter. No, he's a great recruiter because he had good bag men. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, I, yeah. and it's, it's, it's just the way that is. People fail up in this business. All the time. Look at the head coaches at Florida Atlantic and Nevada. I mean, people feel you know who a, you know who a good recruiter is. I'm sorry, Joe. No, you're good. But you know who a good recruiter is. A good recruiter is a kid that goes into another state and in a neighboring state. Like let's say like Amani Bledsoe. Like a good recruiter is someone that convinces a kid like Amani Bledsoe to not go to Kansas and come to Oklahoma when everyone. I don't think there was anything shady involved there. He just. They were able to go in and convince a kid, you know, come to Oklahoma. I know your family and everyone wants you to stay at home, but come to. And OU has done that historically well, especially like in Kansas and Missouri. Now, Texas, not so much. But, and I'll say that I wanted to mention this earlier. Like, part of watching what's going on at Texas makes me realize what a good job Mac Brown did when he was there. Because he owned that state. Yeah. And there's a lot. And we, we took it for granted, like, well, Texas is just going to get who they want. We're starting to find out Texas is not just getting who they want because Baylor came and started taking them away. TCU started taking some guys away. 
they struggled to get whoever they want the last five years. They were the only people inside that wall for so long, you forgot who they were keeping out. I mean, you forgot yeah. that LSU was sitting right there. You forgot the Texas A&M, their potential they could have. You forgot that all these places around Texas can come in and poach their players. And uh, Mac Brown just made it seem like it was inevitability. You're from Texas. It's your honor. It's your duty to come to Texas. And It was kind of our mantra for a while, Josh. Like, if that kid wants to go to Texas, he, he's, he's, going. he's going to Texas. If yeah. he grew up, if that kid grew up a Texas fan, OU has no shot. And you know who bought into that more than anybody else? Texas. Yeah, they bought into that completely because you look at it. You got Joe talked about LSU getting in there. What do you think let LSU in? A and M leaving and going to the SEC. You just open that door wide right. open to the SEC yep. because Texas thought they were bigger than that relationship, and that's what they got for it. You know, and that's and they they've not recovered from it. And you're absolutely right because Texas has built such a uh, – it's funny how this has become so uh, – it's turned around on them. For years, they could close shop in Texas and recruit almost nowhere else because they didn't need to, and that became their calling card. Well, now it's it's kind of the noose around their neck because guys from other states say, well, you know, I'm not going to play there. They don't really want me there because all they want is Texas guys. So it's, it's come around to bite them in the ass – that they've had so much loyalty to the state that when it turns around and they want to go out of state for certain guys, There's the guys no are like, yeah. they're never going to play me. If everything's equal, they're going to play the dude from Texas. And Mac knew that, but he... he exactly. He, but he, Mac he, could recruit well yeah. enough in Texas that it was okay. He could get everyone that he needed to get in exactly. Texas. Yep. Is, is there yep. is there any school that does that still, Josh? Is there anybody that can pull up? Can USC just say, I'm sticking with California kids? Can Florida or Florida State say, I'm just sticking with Florida kids? Is there anybody going with that model still today? Not going with it. I mean, there are schools that could do it. USC is the best example. To me, USC, if you could get a – I mean, and, and this is the reality. Everyone has the disadvantages. USC is never going to have the fervent fan base – the financial backing, some of the other stuff that schools like Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama and these other big southern schools do have. But they have full license, not just in California, but really across the West Coast. If a kid from Seattle gets a USC and a Washington offer, I'd lay odds that six times out of ten he's going to go to USC. I mean, then that's just the way that goes. And so they have a unique base that really no other major program in the country can claim where they have no real rival to their supremacy. And you know what's and, crazy? Like, did you did, did you watch Hard Knocks, the Rams? Oh, yeah, this year? I always watch it, yeah. Like, like how dilapidated their facilities oh, were yeah. when they go in there. And it just, like, you can see, like, they've got all the the vinyl wrapping on all their their concrete columns but their concrete columns are like so dinged mm -hmm. up like you see holes in the wrapping like it's terrible like i can't believe they can operate with the facilities that they have out there well that's why i think oklahoma has always been and i've talked about this for several years now why ou has a done so well in california and b made it such a focus because if they can get the kids to come to oklahoma to make the trip and be there a spec you look at when oklahoma recruits west coast kids they don't want them to come in in December. They want them to come in for a game weekend. They want them to see what it's like at a big-time program where the fans are invested and everybody's out, you know, tailgating 12 hours before kickoff when they go to USC. And there's – I mean, don't get me wrong. USC is a huge program, so they do have a large fan base. But it's just not the same level of intensity. People don't care about it in the same way. And so I think that's why OU wants to do it, and that's why they have success because – 
like I, I've told the story before, when Kenny Stills came out, I don't think Kenny Stills was all that serious about Oklahoma. Like, he liked them, and he liked them because Brennan Clay was going there. I mean, there was connections, but I think it was when he saw it and was like, oh, my gosh, like this is a different world. I've never been in anything like this. And that's when, to me, OU became a really viable option for him. It might have even been Kenny Stills, Josh, but I remember an article you wrote around that time where somebody came in from California, and I remember them distinctly saying that they were blown away by – they said, you get you get into Norman, and then it's, you know, there's, there's sooner laundry, there's sooner textbooks, there's sooner food. I mean, everything's sooner this, sooner that. There's sooner dairy lunch on Main Street. Everything in the town – revolved around OU football and in California no matter how big USC is no matter how big UCLA is the entire town just doesn't revolve around those things they're just kind of certain aspects of it and if you can get those kids to think hey you come here you're going to be the center of attention in this town and in this state that's a great selling point for California kids I put Sooner Dairy Lunch just behind In-N-Out and Shake Shack pretty good i love sooner dairy lunch it's the most underrated burger joint just can't go on monday they're closed i know that's so weird seems like it's kind of like and it's like every monday you want to go it's like yeah yeah it's it's exactly like like on sunday am i the only non-in-and-out guy here i like in and out i mean i i actually i love you're saying you don't like in and out i don't get it i don't understand i mean like don't get me wrong it's okay but I don't get the loyalty to it. Like it, you can that, never I mean, come it's on a, a good burger. You, I'm glad you never came on bowl trips with me and Eddie to Arizona. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be screwed. We'd be destroying that place every day. So good. Five guys. And I've never had a Shake Shack, so I can't speak to that one. Shake Shack's good. Shake Shack's really good. That's what everybody good. says. I'll have to try that I, one. Five guys is, I think Five Guys is better than both of those. I think we need to turn your mic off. <laughs> you, that, do you like the In-N-Out fry? Yeah, I, oh, I, I turned his mic off. <laughs> Joe can say whatever he wants now, but nobody can hear him. In and out, in and out, the fries are good. Or I mean, at Five Guys, the fries are good. But when you give me that many fries and it's like in the bag, you don't and, trust it. No, I, I trust it. It just seems like it's too much. Too many fries. Too many fries. That's their fries a, are good. That's, though. that's, that's not a real thing. I'm the opposite. They're, I will say that their fries are fantastic. Look, I, it's it's like pizza, man. Yeah. A good cheeseburger is a good. I'll eat one anyway. I still haven't been to the Tucker since it's opened up here. Oh, I love is Tuckers. it open now? Yeah. Oh, the one in Norman. Yes. It's open now. Yes. Oh, I love the one in Twenty Third. Everything that you can think of is now in Norman, north of. Uh, it's right down the Robinson. Street. Yeah. Yeah. I've been stuck in the forest on campus. Don't really get out to the west side too much anymore. You like this has been the weirdest week in Norman. Like w- weirdest two weeks. Like the, the former Norman North principal was he murdered or was he the murderer? He, he was he, murdered. He got murdered. Yeah. He got murdered, along with his his ex. Oh, he was the yeah he was, he was the, the lawyer. Was lawyer. Lawyer. Okay. And then he was the lawyer for a woman, and then she got divorced from this guy, and then he killed her too, and tried to burn down her house. And then we had the bleeper right and the bleep. Oh, yeah. Kid at Trey Young's announcement. Oh, yeah. My who, God, who, who looked like the kid from Bad Santa? Apparently, yeah, he did. Little uh, fat kid. And so then, what was it? There was there was a, like a car crash, a car chase by the Mont. There was a car chase by the Mont, like right there at at, at uh, Boyd and where Classen and Porter merge. There was a shooting across the street from Norman High School, and the shooting across from oh, Norman yeah, High the, School. That yeah. was the other thing. Like, and there was also like everywhere. a, I think there was like a fifteen-year-old killed in Norman somewhere. Or no, it was a, someone killed in Bricktown. Remember? Oh, he, uh, he was from Norman. Was, an OU student that was killed in Bricktown. Gotcha. The crazy streets of Nompton, man. I've made it's it been through. Been weird. It's, so. it, it has been weird, and and by the way, I, 
I, I was at North when Brian Young, the principal, he was the soccer coach uh, then, and everybody talks about what a what a great guy that what what he was, and that this it's this stuff is kind of weird. Does it when when someone like that goes in your life that you knew? What, what if you don't know him that well? How, how do you talk about it? Because I want to say nice things about him, but I just didn't really interact with him that well. What? How do you deal with that kind of stuff? I mean, it's off season. I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I need some life well, advice. That'll keep it light. I need, <laughs> I need some life advice. <laughs> I don't, what, but you know, what I'm about? when people, someone dies, you're supposed to say the greatest things. But if you don't know them that well, how often did you get an idea uh, put into the Sooner Sports Pad when you're producing it? Just oh, curious. all the time. It was my show. I was the only one having ideas. Was it like the Dr. Phil edition? Was it like the Dr. Phil? I, what's, what is, I don't watch Dr. Phil except for I watched that. Uh, Cash Me Outside? Oh, gosh. I, I'm sad I know what that is. No, I, we. That girl is 13. I've never, I've never advocated for uh, violence against children, but. Yes, you have. Sometimes. Quite often. <laughs> well. You, you, you were literally going to fight a middle school wrestler. Yes. There's only, yeah, that's true. You said that you thought you could beat up a 90-pound middle schooler. I, didn't, I don't think I can. I know I can. There's a difference. All right, Mayor. She she is the worst of the worst, though. She's 13. I know. Quit making her, stupid okay. people famous. Her mom needs to be... Her mom's insane too. Like, yeah. Did you read about her mom and? Oh, I've like I, her dad. I watch Doctor Phil daily at three o'clock. Her dad is like a, a a like a sheriff or something. Oh, really? Like a I county didn't know sheriff? That. Yeah. And like he's totally been well, he's part kicked of the out of her life. No, he's been kicked out by her mom. Kicked him out of her life because they were never married, but they had her, and then he didn't have it. He, he they've been in court for years because he wants some visitation rights. I don't want to know any of this. Don't you feel bad that you know that, Carrie? Isn't that sad? That I've you're... been doing nothing this week except studying new New Earth, playing guitar, drinking, eating Taco Tico. I can't. I'd... Doing paychecks yesterday. I finally oh, did some work yesterday. That was good. I like that part. You can keep going. Doing some taxes stuff. Spring football will be here before you know it. I know. Life is over pretty soon. Although the whole schedule this year, yeah, it's still have March twenty first now. I still haven't found out exactly why it's been pushed back. Like, I have to imagine it's the facilities. They just want everything to be done. They want to be able to be in their locker rooms. Well, is spring break later than it usually is? No, thirteenth through the nineteenth. Is that usually? It's right when it is because it matches. I matched it up perfectly because people are like, "When's the spring game?" And I figured it had to be either April eighth or April fifteenth because no, of course it's weekend of masters. masters. Yeah, they did. They always do the week before spring break. They practice and they mm-hmm. go on spring break. Then they come back for three weeks, and it was exactly the same. It's weird to April eighth. It will be. Uh, it'll be really weird. It's really inconsiderate too that they're doing the spring game on Masters weekend with Brad Dalkey playing in it. But <laughs> I just figured everybody would want to watch a current you OU player playing the Masters. Year. You think you'll? He probably. By Saturday, he might be. Yeah, he might not make the cut. Then. So, is Todd Hamilton still playing? Maybe you got another. Mm, I don't think so. I think his, uh, I think his exemption worn out. When did he win the British? Was that O two? Yeah, is he from like Hobart? Dalkey. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, he is from Hobart, but he moved. Uh, they moved to Edmond when he was like a junior or sophomore, I think. Okay. Sophomore, junior. His dad was a hell of a football player, though, supposedly. Uh, okay, so Pro Day will be coming up on March 8th. Of course, that's going to be the Joe Mixon show. Yeah, there's nobody else participating, I wouldn't think. Like, I saw that 
Connor Knight took a job with some bank in uh, in San yeah, Antonio. I saw that like, too, yeah. so he's not even like he won't even be out there. He's not even trying to to participate in pro day. Plus, Joey Halsley's gone, so I don't know who the camp QB. I guess Trevor Knight could come back and be the camp QB. Yeah, I I, I imagine that Trevor will test the waters. I mean, he's going to the combine. Is he? Yeah, I didn't even see that. I'm pretty sure he got invited. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, is. OU. I mean, OU's got legitimate people. Samaj P. Ryan. Um, I, I can't believe Jordan Evans wasn't going to be there. Uh, he didn't get invited. Uh, Mod Thomas was not invited. Walker's going. Charles and Walker and Dee Westbrook. Do we want to include Charles Walker as an OU? Is what are the odds that Charles Walker shows up at OU's pro day? Uh, I mean, if he doesn't, I'm going to say five percent. If he does well at the combine, I don't think there's any reason to. Is there? Yeah, I'm going to say five percent. Yeah, and uh, Eddie, I, I, I would bet you money he does pretty well at the combine. Oh, He's I, a kid that'll test well. I He's guarantee a good you. I you, saw some of his workout video the other day. He, he looks legit. I mean, yeah, when he yeah. comes out of his stance running a forty. He looks like an athlete. He doesn't look like a big, yep, big idiot. He's really big into. I think he's out in California uh, working out to get ready. So he's really into like tweeting. What I'm guessing is like when he's going to bed. It's about you know one a.m. two a.m. here, and sometimes I'll catch it before I go to bed. And it's always like it's really strange. It's like always pro OU, pro always like I love my OU brothers. If if he has success in the NFL. Do you think OU fans embrace him? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll there there will always they'll be a majority him. of people that hate him for what he did. They but. will embrace his success and lament his time at OU. Yeah, you and know he'll embrace him quicker. OU, he'll be on all their NFL, you know, literature. You know, look at Charles yeah. Walker. Like I, look, I you bet never, you money. You never know with defensive tackles, but my God, how's he going to make it through one or two years of the NFL without having to give up football? Because of concussions, I mean that's obviously been the issue with him. Well, and it's he's obviously gotten been several his of excuse. them. Yeah, when he starts getting paid for it, he may be. De- I like. Don't get me wrong, Kerry. I side with you on it, but I mean, I I could see the other side to that argument and say, you know, once he gets paid for it, he'll start treating it like a real thing instead of just like he was killing time until he could get drafted. I think is there. By the way, did you did you see the photo of Samaje that he put out? That's one of those photos that like uh, you you'll see on real? like an info commercial, and they're like, Susan started this weight loss program, and she lost 60 pounds in two weeks. And then it's like, those two people aren't the same. So you don't think... Is I don't know. Truth, is this a truther moment for you? Almost a little bit, because it's like, I don't know. It well, just, just seems just weird. Just to explain it, I think it was on Instagram. He's only on Instagram. Yeah. So he put out this photo, and he says, not what, not fat, Samaj anymore, or something like that. Yeah, or, something like that. And literally, like, his body, like, he had a 12-pack. He had no fat on his body. It was, like, 0% body fat. And every muscle in his body was, Joe's looking at it now very intensely. It's worrying me some. It doesn't look that different. I mean, he, I mean, he, you can tell he, like, he pulls his shoulders back and he's, like, sucking in the gut. I, I mean, it could have, it, it, it literally, like, don't, when people go to those bodybuilding competitions, don't they, like, cut out water for, like, 24 hours or yeah, something like that? I, I think his body type really doesn't look that different. He looks like someone who's trying to make it look like it looks very different, but, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's Maybe still, some Photoshop in there. I'm looking at it now. He, he did a lot of crunches, probably, between picture one and picture two. He got engaged, but, too. Like, yep. Yeah. Maybe did some okay. there. It's good cardio. Was workout. that magician one of the more annoying guys you've seen on the internet? Oh yeah. 
That's awful. I He's still awful. haven't watched it. I didn't watch it. Most, I I think you could probably say that most magicians are pretty awful, though. And I know I know that you're going to take that the wrong way, Josh, because you love magic, but. Most I love David Blaine. Okay? okay, so long as we're not talking about David Blaine, we're okay. It's one of those cross into that. We got a problem. You can rip on David yeah. Copperfield all you want. Go, go crazy, <laughs> go crazy. It's one of those things where if you're a lead at it, it's amazing. But everybody else is terrible. The great ones are great. No one wants to see a bad magic show, but really, really cool magic. I, I don't know how you don't enjoy having. I saw Penn and Teller in Vegas uh, uh, the weekend. Actually, Tiffany and I got engaged, and that was pretty awesome. I like their show. You ever the where they try to fool them or whatever? Magic acts come on. I remember that vaguely. I haven't seen. I, I don't remember seeing it in a long time. But it's a good uh, YouTube killer if you have a staycation mm-hmm. or something. It's really good. I, Odds that everybody's going to hate this podcast. Ninety-six percent. I was going to say fifty-fifty. I'm so sorry. Like, what, what's our window? Who does this even appeal to? I think the four of us really. I, like, I, I, I like don't it. think anybody else does. No, there, there will a, be there will be plenty of people that enjoy just listening to us, but we really didn't give out much information at all in this podcast. I'm sorry that we're not talking about OU's depth at quarterback on February 24th. It, we'll get I will to say that, that yeah. the combine talk made me look forward to the podcast before the draft, and we kind of all can sit down and be like, "Okay, I see this guy going here, that guy going there." Like, now we're be gonna fun, like. We're thinking gonna, about where yeah. Charles Walker could be drafted and where he probably will be drafted. It's kind of fun to think about. We're going to have a, a guy out there that's going to try and get us some video and stuff. But he, it's a uh, Kevin Noon who uh, runs our Ohio State site. And he goes out there every year. Uh, he said the format has changed this year. Like, you know, I know Didi's really nervous about talking about his past, uh, and there was a report. It wasn't from Didi, but somebody said that. They, they didn't think he wanted to go to the Senior Bowl because he didn't want to have to talk mm-hmm. to teams about that stuff. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that reported that. Was that Daniel Jeremiah? Uh, but he's going to get involved with... He's going to have to get involved with that. Charles Walker certainly, you would think, is going to have to be asked, why'd you quit on your team? You know, very directly <laughs> some, by somebody. Some really weird questions for uh, Charles Walker and for D.D. Westbrook. And then some just... Probably Samaje is going to get bombarded with like what the hell's wrong with your teammates here's the thing like charles walker is the only one of those three that's actually a decent interview yeah samaje could care less about talking oh he's gonna everybody's gonna hate it dd like, would be clammed up and maybe charles walker will just go full open book like here's the deal oh you wasn't paying me enough i had to quit that's not gonna happen you don't think Samaje, do you think the stuff about how much he cares about football comes up? Do you think NFL guys can pick up on that? Because, I mean... I think it's a valid question if you're an NFL team. Because from his workouts and his body and the way he runs, you would never believe him. He looks like someone who cares and loves football. and goes. But if you talk to him, he doesn't care that much about football. He says he doesn't watch it. It's not really his life. He just It's something he's good at and he does. Yeah, how much does he really love? You've heard that question come up at the Combine before. This isn't a new question. That's something that could come up. I don't with Samaje. He wouldn't have left though. early though if he didn't love football. Yeah, and you don't put your body, you don't put yourself through the kind of stuff that he's been through the last ten years if you don't love football at yeah. some point. Uh, I, I think agree. a lot of that is just when he told people here that that was him just trying to get out of a Tuesday after practice interview on week four of the season. Yeah, I think it's really hard for the media to know because when he's in front of the media or talking to the media. He, he hates it. He doesn't want to be 
interviewed. He doesn't want to give interviews. He doesn't like talking about himself. And I would argue that his position is probably more popular than most guys are willing to admit in front of the media. He's just willing to let you see what he thinks in front of you. I think there are plenty of guys that don't, you know, wake up, sleep, breathe football, but they you know, they love it and they do it and they're good at it, but you know, they're not going to be as diehard as everybody else. To me the most intriguing thing is to see if Samaje lifts more at 225 than most of the offensive linemen. What's the somebody I somebody on the board had it a couple days ago. I think it's like 36 for a running back. Does that sound right? Uh it's probably true. Bench right, reps. Right. I there's no doubt that he can set that record and then put another number out there that is so like big 46 that, or something yeah because i think that he they put it out a couple weeks ago that he was benching like god i i don't want to say that number just to be saying a number but it was something crazy i remember there being some video of him lifting it said 275 on it okay and then and it's, i don't know how many times it he did it 235 that they do 225 at, at the combine god he I would have to think that it's going to be something big. It's going to be a big number. I don't. I mean, his forty time. I don't know what it will be. I would imagine four six. Yeah, I think that'll be enough too. It, it'll probably creep down in the four fives. I mean, he's not a guy that got chased down a lot. Mm-mm. FYI, the record for a running back bench press at the combine is thirty six. But that was Tommy Bohannon, who was a fullback at a Wake Forest. After that, it's 32. Jarek McKinnon and Anthony Sherman did 32, both running backs. P. Ryan beats that. I think he beats 32. Yeah, I think he beats 32. I, I bet he'll he... push to 40. I mean, I don't know that he'll get there, but I bet he runs it close. God, if he, that's, if that's he his lifts, hallmark. If I mean, he that's lifts what 40 and runs 4-5, Yeah, insane. well... He doesn't – I mean, if he goes out there and shows, okay, this is how much work I put in, this is what I'm doing – he doesn't have to run the four five flat that he's not going to run anyway. I mean, I, I, I guess I could be surprised, but if he breaks four six, I'll be shocked. What do you think's the the number he just needs to get to, Josh? Is I mean, if he gets under, if he as long as you run something sub four seven, then they just check that box off and say, okay, he's fine. I don't. Yeah, think, I, don't I, I think you know what he is. If he's that, then okay, you know. But I mean, like, again. To me, like it's kind of one of those things, and you hear the guys that do the combine. I, you, I think it's known. I like Mike Mayock a lot, and he talks about it a lot during the combine. If Samaje does go out there and rip like a four four seven, say he just shocks the world, well, people are going to go back. They're not going to say, "Oh, well, he's that fast." They're going to go look at the tape, and let's be real, he doesn't look like a four four guy on tape. Like it's, it's just not what he shows. Well, you know what? So if, he ran, if he runs a four four seven. Then here's what's going to happen. They're going to say, well, instead of the fourth round, he might be a third round pick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It'll give him a little bump, but it's not going to change the whole world. I I think on tape, you see that he's fast enough. He'll pull away when he needs to, but he's also not, it's on that he's not blazing. He's not one of the fastest guys ever. I think that, like you said, you know what he is. Samaj P. Ryan is someone you can put on the tape and know what he is. And by the way, Joe Mixon is somebody that I think you can just put on the tape and know what he is. I mean, you watch some of the runs he makes and you just say, okay, well, I. I know that that is a special athlete. Any concerns have to just be purely uh, personal after that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he can really even – I mean, I, I know he didn't get invited to the Combine and the Pro Day is going to be a big deal, but it's all there on tape with Joe Mixon, how good he is. It's all going to be the, about personality. With the way the NFL is right now and the way it's built around passing games and running backs can catch the ball, the only running back to me that on the field is clearly – now, I don't even know clearly, but is almost certainly a better player 
is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. I yeah. would. T- I on pure talent, I could make a very easy case to take Joe Mixon over Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Like Leonard Fournette can't catch a cold, and I don't know. I feel like everybody just ignores that for some reason because he's so freakish and, he's not, and big and strong. But he's not Adrian Peterson either. I he's mean, not. He, like, you know. and people keep trying to paint that picture, and he's just not. Well, I don't and, know. and I'm saying like Adrian Peterson could not catch a football, yep. but he was good enough as a running back to overcome that. I don't know Didn't that Leonard matter. Fournette is. Nope, I agree completely. I, I Leonard Fournette's a real. I mean, he's a great football player, but with the way it's built, and am I going to use a first round pick? on a running back who I probably can't use on third downs, and I'm almost certainly going to have to have another quality back to complement him, and is a guy that is not of that Adrian Peterson level? No. Now, I, I, I just I can't come I can't get to that place. I think teams are going to have to go back and look at his feet, too, because uh, he is so exceptionally violent and physical that he could have some of these amazing runs where he could run through arm tackles, run through even body tackles, and it looked incredible. But at the NFL, there's a point where you reach a limit, where you can't just do that to everybody. You're going to have to have feet to get around guys. Like Adrian Peterson, he could hit you with a spin move. He could bounce one outside. He had great vision. He had patience. He could hit a cutback lane. you got to go back and see if Frenette can do all those things besides just running extremely violently, which there's no one better at it than he is. Fournette's a lot closer to Darren McFadden than he is Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I'd yeah. say that's a good comparison. Because everybody tried to compare McFadden to Peterson. I'm like, no, nope, he's just not the same guy. Now, Leonard's bigger and kind of sturdier than McFadden was, but I'm just talking about like the kind of caliber of player and the way they play stylistically, I think is somewhat comparable. I would say as a runner, he might be kind of more like a DeMarco Murray. I mean, DeMarco can obviously catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, he's Especially a guy that it, with a really good offensive line. He'd have a chance to lead the league in rushing. Yep, you're right. And especially in the league, DeMarco's changed his style. Yeah. I mean, you guys know he doesn't run like he did at OU. He's he's much more of a straight-line, one-cut guy than he was when he was at OU. But he was always a good, like in goal-line situations, when he was yeah. at OU, he was always really good at picking the right hole. I mean, mm-hmm. like he didn't need perfect blocking every time. He, he found Ooh. creases. Which is why OU fans still lament his absence in that championship game when OU couldn't finish the goal line. Which, when people got so mad at me when I said that I didn't think Mixon was great between the tackles. Oh, God. Uh, he got better as he went on, but still, he was still not a natural inside runner. Like, DeMarco was a natural inside runner. Now, Adrian Peterson just ran so fast that there was either going to be a hole or not, and he would just burst through it. He was going to make a hole if there wasn't a hole. Yeah, but like Chris Brown was a really good runner between the tackles. Like I know what a good runner between the tackles is. Joe Mixon is really good out in space. He's he's the best receiver, even better than DeMarco Murray as a running back that I've ever seen. But he is not the guy that you put in on the one-yard line and say, you know, go find the hole, go go find the end zone. Well, it's the same trap people fall into, Kerry. They hear something like that, and they're like, well, see, he scored that one-yard touchdown run. That's not the same. Like, you can be immensely talented and be like, well, okay, you still have that to work on in your game. That's not the strength of your game. It's not to say that he can't become a good runner or that he's not so talented that some, you know, a hole that wasn't there can suddenly become there. There was a guy who did a video uh, breakdown. I can't reach one of the, you know, NFL draft guys, and he had a really he broke it down. It was a touchdown run, uh, not a touchdown run, but it was a run against Ohio State where he tried 
to bounce something outside when if he'd have just been patient and waited for a lane to emerge inside, he walks into the end zone. So, I mean, and it was just, and that doesn't make Joe a bad runner. It's just an example. Like at times he wasn't patient enough inside and they wanted to bounce everything because he's so talented that he knows outside he's going to have pretty good odds of having success. I'm loving this because one of my biggest pet peeves is the notion that goal line backs just need to be big fat guys like Mike Tolbert that you plug in there and they run hard and they push the pile. That is not the case. LaShawn McCoy is one of the best goal line backs in the NFL and he's one of the smallest, but he has he has patience, he has vision, he knows where to go, and he also has the agility to get to the holes he needs to get to. Sometimes also being small helps you be hidden back there. That, 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 there are all kinds of things that go into a guy being a good goal line back and it's not necessarily just how talented you are. There's so many things that go in between the tackles. And Bob Stoops started saying this phrase this year, and it's something I've really loved, that there's like an there's an art form to playing running back. And that's so true. People so often think it's just be big, fast, and strong, hand you the ball and go. But there's there's more of a dance to that than people realize. There's a timing. There's kind of a beat to it. You have to kind of you have to see things develop before they happen. There's more to being a running back than just being big, fast, and strong. It's why it's one of those positions where – you, you can play earlier than others because to me, if other than the speed of the game, which you're going to have to get used to, if you can play, if you're a really talented running back at high school and you can handle those levels, you can probably do the same things in college and in the NFL eventually. You've got, like I said, you've got to learn that the speed changes, but it's not like it's rocket science. Like guys can either do it or you can't. There's not a lot of middle ground on that. All right. Uh, Spring football, we'll have more to talk about. I mean, we're still 21st, right, Eddie, is when spring yeah. football starts. So we've still got uh, a, a few weeks here. We're going to start breaking that stuff down for you. But uh, obviously, you know, Combine coming up, uh, OU Pro Day coming up. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that next week before it all happens. We'll decide. What day of the week is that? March 8th. Yeah. It's a Wednesday, maybe? So maybe yep. we'll do the it's podcast the day after. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's a Wednesday. Two week, three weeks from last Wednesday, so that doesn't make sense. Two weeks, two, two weeks. weeks from last yeah. Wednesday. Okay. Over over two weeks from now. Okay, so uh, that's coming up. Uh, that's kind of you know the big football stuff. Of course, recruited Josh. Uh, any other kind of uh, uh, rumblings about I- any more junior days? No, and I kind of wondered if maybe they would do something, especially like you said with with. Um, Spring practice being such a small window this year that if they might throw in another junior day, it wouldn't shock me if that still happens. But I haven't heard anything. Um, I, I will say, I you know, and we had it in the scoop this morning. Some of the big news is T.J. Pledger, the uh, the rival 100 running back from Florida. He is going to visit Oklahoma in late March. And for those that haven't read the scoop, you you need to. There, there's more than that in the story, and I think. Um, Oklahoma's in really good shape there, and it could lead them to being in good shape with some other guys as well. Yeah, and uh, that is important. Uh, by the way, this podcast brought to you by uh, Eddie Radosevich for mayor, his <laughs> campaign. You actually have to pay us money for this. We can, Moving we will. Forward. Let's lunchbox. Get, get Sam Bradford. You know, <laughs> we can start a super pack. Supporting your yeah super pack. The official podcast. Of I don't know Eddie if he's in the country. He's been out of the country for a couple days or a couple weeks. Name drop. Boom. That's more like that's not name drop. That's that's next level. That's like when you know. That's friend drop. That, that's that's uh, schedule drop. Famous schedule drop. It's like if I I drop the whereabouts of Kings of Leon or something. 
That's yeah. a that's a name drop. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had that. The people wanted to know about you know, do you do douchey things? And I mentioned that Josh does call people boss. I call people boss all the time. It's bad. That was one of them. I never say champ, so I only have to take like half credit on that. Chief, one. Chief's a good one. Where does that taper off? Because I I'll do the the man, the bro. I'll do that. Is that yep. I feel like when you call someone chief, it's it's that's the most condescending yeah, thing condescending. you can, you can that's say. That's super antagonistic. Yep. I've, you're trying I've to start thought a lot lately about like uh, text exchanges with your bros. Mm-hmm. Like when you like it's always it's always difficult because you don't want to sound like, you know, you're trying to restart Hulkamania or something. Like when you congratulate your buddy on something. It's like, and you really want to convey more emotion than just, hey, that's great. It's like, you want to, you use bro, do you use brother? Like, hey, you know, really proud of you, brother. I'll take you one step ahead. I don't ever say that to people. Like, I, I feel well, like. Well, I don't in real sometimes, life. Sometimes you're like, so close to somebody, you don't need to say congrats. But I feel okay. like in text messages, you would never say that in real life. You'd be like, yeah. I'm so happy for you, brother. Like, you can convey it with the emotion of your voice. I think that's but where when the you're, emoji when you're doing has it in come text in. messages, but that's kind of effeminate. Is it? I think. I mean, what emoji are you going to send to convey? That's why I was just trying to look. Uh, emoji. Like the muscle, like flexing the bicep? Yeah. Emojis, guy and girl, or a romantic relationship works. Emojis with a group of people, like a tweet works. Emojis one-on-one are a little weird. It's, it's tougher to kind of navigate those waters. That's one of the reasons I love GIFs. I think GIFs are always great. Yeah, yeah I mean, GIFs I, are a big I, part a big of the, fan, the yeah. group text exchange, yes. I think that, you know, usually you can have one person will send the congratulations, and if you're in a multiple text group, it can you can just add on by saying, usually it's like a, it's usually cuss word, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like F yeah, that's awesome. I prefer yeah, mo- the- most. Of, I don't with my friends. It's rarely brother or dude or man. Like it's, it's, it's even too vulgar for this podcast generally. So, yeah, I, I pictured Josh and his his guy weekends when they go to Vegas or something. Just they're bearing bodies at some point. You you're pretty hardcore, you and your friends, Josh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there. I mean, they, that's there's some absolute truth in that. Uh, I'm a little leery of the bearing bodies comment, but other than that, that yeah, that gave me pause. I think of uh, the scene in Rocky when he's like running on the beach and they're, and like, they're hugging. They're hugging. I think that's like Josh and his friends with their what muscles everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Totes with goats. <laughs> cool. There there are definitely some dudes that uh, enjoy throwing a tank top on when they can. They 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 want to. They want to show the goods. I am not one of those dudes. I don't need to be showing it anywhere. But we we have some some bro Montanas in there for sure. I just I yeah I'm just I'm struggling with it. After I, I think that we need to come up with a pretty good group text uh, guide bro guide. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a really good one out there. The bro code. The bro mm-hmm. code for group texting. You want to go do karate yeah. in the garage? That, that could be yep. our gift to the world, to the male world. We'll think about it. Maybe next. Maybe we can put that out there on the board. Yeah, I think the board would appreciate that. I think the strong line is emojis are a no. I think those are just a no. In a group text, though, like crying emoji instead of saying ha ha all the time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's the that's that's one of the biggest hangups. Is like, I just hate using ha ha. And then did you do ha ha ha? If it's really funny, and then 
you know, like a holy bleep or something. And people do the lols with the Z. I can't do that. I can't do it. I don't. Oh, I can't. I, he, girls I do this a lot. LOL. They do L-O-L-O-L-O-L if it's like really funny to them, which yeah. I don't get. Laughing on the laughing out loud, out loud, out loud, out loud. That's like super out loud. Super. So that means you're super funny. I guess. I don't know. So many questions. So many questions. Aging, so many aging men I can, trying to figure out the world. So can, many questions without so many right. answers. I can tell you that when I call recruits, I usually go with like my man, and I immediately feel like <sighs> yeah, my man is. Bad. I shouldn't have said my man. That has oh, a there's certain some, there's some stuff that happens, Joe. It happens to all of us. I just don't know what to say. All right, we need to get out of here uh, because we're going to just keep rambling on if we don't. Uh, it was great to. Uh, Josh can't hear this, but I felt like this was our best uh, podcast that represents this particular drop. Todd, 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 Todd. The uh, Todd McShay, <laughs> Mel Kuyper <laughs> draft break. I'm, I can't wait to see Mel Kuyper eat a pumpkin pie again this year. He does that every year, right? Every day he has a pumpkin pie every day. of his life. God, eats an entire pumpkin sir. pie. He, every day of his life he eats an entire pumpkin pie? Yes. That's his thing. A, that's nasty, but B, that's weird. That's like a... Maybe that's why his hair is like it is. That's, that's like a sign, man. That's a, that's a sign that something else is going on. That's a symptom of a deeper problem if you're eating a pumpkin like, pie every day. I like where you're at there with that, Joe. That's, I think that's right. Joe likes to go so deep. I would, I would help you, Josh, take him out if you want. We'll have to consider it, Eddie. Do you I like, mean, we'll know, do you like we'll Todd McShay at all? Weeks. Do you like Todd McShay? He's gotten better. Uh, my first, and I, I bring it up all the time, and I guarantee there's going to be people that will respond to this in the thread on the board. It, my first memory of him was him talking about he did, he had um, – who was the tight end that came out from Oklahoma State the same year as Jermaine Gresham? Oh, it was uh, Pettigrew, Brandon Pettigrew. Yeah, 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 Brandon Pettigrew, yeah. And he's talking about – he goes, well, I like him mainly because Jermaine Gresham just can't block, just, just can't do it. Like, And he kind of went on and on about – and I'm like, I'm not saying he's, you know, uh, Brody Eldridge, but the dude was not a bad blocker. He, he I was remember just extremely that, skilled as a receiver. I remember that exactly, and you and I both flipped out about it. It and drove then, me nuts. And then we both flipped out about the fact that he never brought up the fact that Chase Kaufman never blocked a man in his entire career in Missouri. <laughs> I don't think Chase Kaufman was ever in line in his entire no, career. No, he, he flexed out his entire career. When he yep. went Big 12 tight end, I was like, this is bullshit. He, yep. he he's not he's a wide receiver he's not a tight end it, Gresham like I think has just always been one of my guys because I remember being furious that we had him um, in the rankings I believe below was it Martellus Bennett that year and Dalyon Farr I think that's right and I was like this is crazy this, no it was Conrad Newland a guy that went to Notre Dame and did nothing and I was like this is crazy I don't I don't know that he's a five star but there's no way and so just through the years, I kind of always have a Jermaine Gresham war with somebody about something. He should have been a five-star. And by the way, he's, yep. he's still uh, playing and playing a lot by, playing being a, by being a blocking tight end primarily. I mean, pretty, pretty funny how that works. Yeah, speaking of hard knocks, remember the hard knocks when he was on the Bengals and they did the Oklahoma drill? And I, was that Geno Atkins he knocked on his ass? I mean, mm -hmm. Jermaine Gresham. One of the is, best defensive linemen in football at that point. Exactly. Yep. So I, I think G Jermaine Gresham clearly, while he was a great receiver, he can clearly block. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, 
Sorry to be so sudden, but we got to get out of here. I'm sure nobody wants a two-hour podcast to listen to anyway. Uh, some people don't. Anyway, uh, thanks to Josh McQuistion uh, for, for checking in with us today. Eddie Radosevich, Joe Duvall. Uh, as Josh mentioned, a lot more stuff on the site, especially with recruiting right now, spring football coming up, uh, combines, all that stuff. So if you're not a subscriber to Soonerscoop.com, go do it. Go check it out. Uh, great website, even more just just ridiculous information uh, on the Crimson Corner. So if you're a Sooner fan, there's no reason for you not to be subscribing. Uh, and as we say all the time, there, there really is no offseason. Uh, we've got spring football coming up, combines, uh, recruiting. This is the time of the year when this next class starts being built. So you want to know what Oklahoma is going to have next year? It starts right now. So get to Soonerscoop.com and sign up for that. All right. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys again next week. Uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, spring football, combine, all that stuff, latest in recruiting when we come back. You've been listening to the Unofficial 40. We'll see you guys next time right here on Sooner Scoop.